Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with the Best Deal Ever Show. On today's episode, I am joined by Matt Faircloth. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm awesome, Ken. Thank you so much for having me. Man, thrilled to have you on. You know, I had your wife on just a few weeks back. I know. So hopefully we get a different story out of you today. That, yeah, it will be. <laughs> it will be that. That'd be bad if I told you the same story she did. But no, That's I got right. a new one for you. That's awesome. And so tell me, obviously, you're super, you're super active on Bigger Pockets. Got your own yeah. YouTube channel. Now, now, I think you've done a book with Bigger Pockets too. Is that right? I have. Raising, uh, raising Private Capital. Uh, it's a awesome. great book. It's, it's about um, how anyone really can tap into their own network uh, to show people in their network how they can expand their wealth through investing passively in real estate. And it shows how to have those conversations, structure those conversations, um, and, you know, set up deals with private investors and also exit deals with private investors awesome. too. So it's, it's, it's a full on how to book. Um, and I've been getting a lot, a lot of great feedback from it from those Killer. that have read it. Killer. Well, that's, I mean, it's I'm sure it's the lifeblood of your business. It's the lifeblood of our business too, is having great relationships with private lenders, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They, they, they put us on, on a lot bigger uh, deal scale than we could. And, and a lot of today's story is about how a private lender uh, really succeeded very well as being a part of the deal that we did. He was a big winner in this um, yes. and, uh, and that. So yeah, they, they give us access to deals that we wouldn't be able to do, or at least deal volume that we wouldn't be able to do without them. You know, I think that's a great segue. I say we jump right in. Let's hear about this best deal ever. Cool. So, uh, <clears throat> no problem. We are uh, in, um, in just the outskirts of Philadelphia. Uh, okay. that, that's where Liz and I live. Our office is in Trenton, which is about 25 minutes, half an hour north of uh, Philly. Okay. So, we've done a lot of work in our career in Philadelphia. We're also very well connected to a woman named Andressa Gadelli, who has been on the podcast oh, yeah. um, and runs the Real Estate Invest Her Show uh, podcast with Liz. That's right. Um, and, and Andressa is also, I mean, her full time gig is being a construction manager. Um, and that, so, and, and that's a whole nother thing that she can tell on her own on, on, on what life is like as a female construction manager working around in, in construction, as I'm sure you guys can imagine. Yeah. Um, and that, so we had done several successful deals with Andressa oh, okay. and we were looking for more, uh, we'd done some flips, um, and, and he just looked at the market and Philly's a tough market, like sure. any other hot market out there. It's not just like going and, and plucking an apple off a tree. You got to go find the good deals right. um, in that. So we were shaking down our network, looking for something to get ourselves into. Um, and I was networked with an architect. Um, and I called the architect up and I said, you know, we're just looking for deals, looking for opportunities. And, and this is an interesting architect because he also had a wholesale business. Like he would um, go and find deals design the plan and then wholesale the deal and the plan Smart. to an end buyer. So you nice. would yeah. you'd buy a turnkey, you know, you know, turnkey product and you know, at yeah. the right price it worked. Sure. Um, so uh, me and, and Andressa went and sat down with this architect and uh, just talked about deals, talked about opportunities. And of course that a wholesaler, th a lot of things don't necessarily work for the price that they, <laughs> or what they rarely, want. Doesn't right? work. Rarely does a wholesale deal work, right? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, Right. Not every deal worked, let's say, that he presented and everything like that, which was fine. Um, and then he paused and he said, well, 
I do have that other deal. And he said, but I've really been looking to do it myself, but I'm a little short on cash right now, but I really would like to wait and do it myself. But you could just see him hemming and hawing. And I'm like, he's got something. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You why don't you tell me about it a little bit there, you know? Yeah. And so he told me, he's like, well, I got this plot of land that I bought and he owned it, right? Okay. It's like, I got this plot of land that I own yeah. that is right on the bubble. And so the, a good neighbor, a great neighborhood in Philly is one, there's several great neighborhoods. Um, and the, one of the great ones is called Fishtown, okay? okay. Yep. Um, funny name, but Fishtown, okay, yep. is, is the name of that, of that region of Philadelphia that's done very, very well. Okay. Um, it's landlocked, it's surrounded by some train lines and the water and a highway and everything like that. So um, it's got a lot of good fundamentals that, al that have allowed a lot of push in growth to it. Yep. Um, this lot that he had was across the street from the end of Fishtown, okay? okay. okay. So Fishtown's here, this yep. was right over here, okay? Yep. Um, and the bubble had moved around it and had put, the, when I say the bubble, I'm talking about, um, you know, new development because Philly, yeah. you can just see where new development is happening and where it's not. There's, you know, new construction, new development, cranes, construction, yeah. and then go a few more blocks from that. And you got board ups and, yeah. um, you know, folks and I think folks hanging out in the corner and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. It gets, yep. you know, it, it's, it's it night and day. Real fast. I get it. It's yeah. a tale of two cities. Yes. Not all of Philly is, is awesome. A lot of Philly is still a little rough. But the parts of Philly that have blown out are, you know, right on the edge of the, of the, of the, of the rough parts. So you have right, to kind of right. find the edge of that bubble. Yeah. This property was right on the edge. Okay. Um, and so uh, he said, I've got this piece of land and I haven't earned a contract. I, I own it. And I've gone through the city of Philadelphia um, to get it rezoned and to get it approved to get subdivided into three building lots. Okay? He's already done all the hard work. He's, he's an architect, yeah, right? right? Right. So we can, he's licensed to do the work, right? Um, and he's got, he had a team and he, you know, hired an engineering company to go and do the, to do the civil and to do the geophysical studies on the, right. to do the, you know, take dirt samples and make sure you can build something there and everything like that. Right. Yep. Um, and so he had in essence, a shovel ready project. Wow. And so I was like, you know, we've never, I'd never at that point, well, I'd done some new construction, but not to that. It's not three in a row like that. And I said, well, why don't you tell me more ways? Well, I'm looking for a good number for it. He wanted 210,000 for this piece of land, but that's, that was shovel ready. Yeah. Right. Yeah, work's done. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's three. so really you're talking 70 a lot, potentially 70 a lot. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Sounds like, sounds like a lot of money, but at that neighborhood of Philadelphia, the out sale was somewhere between thrift, 350 to 380 on yeah. our numbers. Yeah. Right. Well, that sounds pretty good. Worth the conversation, right? Let's right, look right. into it. So we investigated it further. We drove by the lot. We talked to him and I was, I, I sat down with him again and I was like, listen, I, we like the deal. We'd like to buy it from you and we'll give you your full asking. Um, and I did a little bit of homework. This architect had bought the land for 90 grand. Oh, dang. He's already making his money at 210. Yeah. He's doing all right. Now, I admit, he had some overhead. He had to hire an architect. I, I'm sorry, hire a, um, an engineering firm. Um, he had to hire a lawyer. And, and, but all that, you know, didn't right. cost him 100 and whatnot thousand dollars, right? So right. Um, that, that he was making a nice chunk of change in there. Yeah. And I laid it out. I was like, listen, public record shows me you bought it for 90, okay? Let's just put that on the table. It's okay. I'm right. not calling you out for making a profit, but you are making a nice profit. Let's let you take that. And yeah. you can take that money and pump it into your new stuff and everything like that. I'm giving you what you ask, what you say you want for it. So let's do it. The only yeah. thing I'm asking for is I wanted, 
um, he's an architect, so he can pull permits. So oh. give me full on construction drawings and give me uh, permits at closing. So when I close, I want my permits in my hand. Nice. Right. Nice. So he said, deal, we'll do it. So I said, okay, now we got a deal. I called my bank and I said, I got a great opportunity. I need, I need to build these, you know, I want to build these houses. The construction cost was going to run around 750,000 to build three houses. Okay. Um, I'm shooting from the hip here, Ken, but it was so around a hundred. What? So two fifty each per house. Two, yeah, two fifty yeah. a door. It was around two hundred. It's around a twenty one hundred square foot house. Okay. So just over a hundred bucks a door, all in, um, yeah. which is pretty good for new construction. Great. Um, and not to get too granular, but when you're building townhomes, you have a common mating wall, and so it does lower your construction cost a bit in a townhome model versus right. a single family home model because you got you, you have you have some common. That's right. And, envelope that you can take advantage of right that's right yeah so um and also you know the plumbing is getting a little bit less per door because the plumber comes it comes out he's not going to come and plumb one house right. and then go home and come back and plumb the next one a month later right. he's just going to go and do you know door one door two door three and then the hvac guy is going to do the same so yeah. we were able to leverage down construction costs a little bit because we're building three um and, and that so uh 70 750 grand for construction my lender looked at it and says, listen, this is a great opportunity. We like it. Um, and my lender said, I think your comps are a little bit low because we said comps at, um, at uh, 350 to 380 a house. My lender said, you know, we think you're a little bit low on that, but we'll do it. Um, and so he said, the only thing you got to do is you need to buy the land free and clear um, and, and uh, buy the land with cash. And whatever startup capital you need has to be out of your pocket. I'm not going to lend you any of that, but I'm going to lend you 100% of construction. Okay. So. And this is a private lender? No. This, this is was an institutional. It's a bank. Okay. It's a bank bank. Right. Got it. Got it. Like yep. 5% interest, one point origination. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So, so I, I, I talk about this a lot on BP yep. that, that every investor needs to go and find a small community bank. Totally. This was a small community bank. Yep. I mean, they got like five branches and, and not, a, not one branch was any more than 30 minutes away from this job site. Nice. Um, I was talking to the guy with the checkbook in his pocket, like the, the loan officer was the nice. one that approved loans of that size. Yeah. That's what you want. Perfect. If you're just getting going and you don't have a small community bank in your pocket that you're working with, go get one. Agreed, um, 100%. Yep. Yeah. They're going to acquire a depository relationship and all that, but that's yep. fine. Yep. So we, um, okay, I said, okay, great you know, and my money's in a lot of different projects and I didn't want to go and go put all my money in to go buy this land free and clear myself at, at 210,000 sure. plus, uh, plus down money and everything like that. Um, so I wasn't able to do, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to like, let me go, you know, go by the terms of my book and of raising private capital and go find a private money lender. Absolutely. The problem was Ken, a lot of stuff that I do for stuff like this, where you buy a property, build it out, and then, um, and then resell it or go buy a property, build it out, and then, um, and then refinance it for a rental, yeah. um, you can do with a private loan, right? Yep, you right. give them collateral on the property, that's their retainer yep. that they get, that, that's their just in case, is their collateral. The problem is my private money, my bank was not gonna let me put a second mortgage lien on the property, so what nope. do you do, right? Yep. I came up with a model, as like, I'm gonna do a joint venture. And I talked to my that's lawyer about it. Yep. And I said, I'm going to JV, which is pretty much where I talk about it in my book. This is where a lender becomes also an equity holder. They're still a lender. They still get a rate of return on their money, like yeah. a, like a base interest rate, but they also get a chunk of your profit. Well, they move from the debt side of the table to the equity side of the table. They do, but they still get treated in their head. Yeah. And like they, they get their head around it. You're still a lender. You still yeah. 
are loaning me the money, you still have collateral, but your collateral is kind of, you know, kind of the upside profit and yep. you're still guaranteed to get the bottom line interest on your money, right? Yep. So we structured a JV. I had somebody who he reached, reached out to me off of bigger pockets, off of some blog comments that I had made on, on Philadelphia and the Philadelphia market. Um, guy had a self-directed IRA. And so I said, listen, this is what we want to do. I already got a, a letter of interest from my lender. Here's the out sale projections on the property. Um, and so uh, I, I need uh, 290 grand in, 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 uh, in equity coming into this deal. And my lender said, I'll do it. Or not my lender, my, my private investor said, I'll do it. And he put his IRA in, into this project. It's important to note that he put his IRA in here, Ken, because this is a short-term capital gain project. Had he put his own cash into this deal, he would have been taxed at his ordinary income tax rates and he would have, gotten, he would have taken it on the chin. Right. Um, so it's very important to note that when you're working with private lenders or people that are going to upside and upside of your profit right. on a deal like this, that they are a IRA lender so they can defer the taxes on something like Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Yep. Right. Now, why did you borrow 290 from him rather than just the purchase price of 210? Because I need, remember, the, the way that these construction loans work is the bank's not going to just say, okay, Matt, here's 700, glad yeah, you yeah. closed. Right, here's right, 750 right. grand to yeah. do your construction work. Call us when it's done. They want to see, okay, you've poured your, you've dug your holes yeah. and poured your foundations. Um, here's 30 grand. You've yeah. framed the houses. Here's 40 grand, right? They're so, reimbursing you for expenses you've already yeah. paid for. Absolutely. And people need to note that, that when, yes. you're getting, when you're getting a construction loan, any savvy construction lender, and most importantly banks, but also savvy private lenders, are going to require you to do the work. Yep. Then they'll give you the money. That's right. And that's a big, Good point. you can't say, oh, 100%, no money down. I don't have to raise any money. They're just going to just start writing me checks. No, you got to do the work. So you have to have money to do that work. That's right. right? Good point. To get started, right? So- I, we wanted to have $80,000 for closing costs and for getting started money, Smart. right? Yep. Um, so everybody's all in and we closed on the land. Uh, interesting, Ken, we closed on a Tuesday. We were in the ground on Thursday. That's amazing. Isn't that what crazy? A great way to negotiate that. Get yeah. permits before I close. That's fantastic. It's, it's so important to do. Yeah, and a believe. big note for lenders, and we've, we've uh, used this tactic in the future since this deal, that if you're buying a property that requires permits, go ahead and pull the permits while you're under contract. Get them. Because those know? can take forever. Like you can uh. stretch on for a year. Like I do in Atlanta sometimes, and you're sitting on this hard money or sitting on a bank loan just waiting on permits and your interest is just eating you alive. Paying that interest while you're waiting yeah. on the town to get around to it. That's right. I mean, the government has no incentive. They're not going to scramble for you. Nope. You know, they're going to put you in the stack, you know, right. and, if you, and, if, and, and if you're in the middle, then you're in the middle yep. um, of the stack and they're going to work their way down until they get to your permit request. Um, it, it's imperative because time is, time is literally money. When it you're working money. with private money, yep. time is literally money. It is. Um, and so uh, that, that was imperative. So we closed on Tuesday. Um, we're in the ground on Thursday, yep. digging holes. Awesome. So um, built the houses out, made a few tweaks. Luckily, you know, in our budget that we submitted to our bank, we had some, we had some um, contingency, which I strongly recommend. If you're ever doing a construction budget to anybody, um, I recommend between 5 and 10% contingency. Yep. Contingency means just in case money, things yep. come up, right? Yep. Now, it's it, on a fix and flip, which I'm sure in your business, Ken, you ran into this all the time you're going to come into stuff. Like we opened up the For wall sure. one time on a fix and flip and the whole wall was full of termites, yep. you know, like, Oh, we didn't have that in the budget. That's <laughs> right. You know? yeah, especially a fix and flips. Cause there's always unknowns, new construction, not quite as much. It shouldn't unknown. be. Yeah. Shouldn't be. But like, you never know. It, 
there's the plans. Well, what, what came out of contingency, and people should note this, because you can't say, oh, it's new construction. I don't need any contingency. Here's what happened. We changed our mind. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. Things come up. You're like, mm, you know, I think Andressa wanted to put like flower boxes outside the windows. Well, that wasn't in the plan. And, you can, and the contractor was a very nice guy, but this isn't a hobby for him. He's got to get paid to do things like this, right? Yeah. So if I want to put flower boxes out, or there was an egress issue that we had to address also, um, meaning like how people, you have to have two means of egress in cases of fire or whatever, we yeah. had to address that. So things like this tend to come up and it's not always things that you weren't aware of. It's just sometimes when you want to create a great product, like, you know, wouldn't it be great if we tile that backsplash? Well, the contract, well, tiling the backsplash wasn't in the budget. I'll do it, but it's going to cost you an extra $2,000. Yep. Okay, okay, great. Let's, if you got a contingency, that's a good place to apply it. I'll do that's that. Right. Yep. right. Smart. So Smart. Um, we came in. Uh, consume most of the contingency on the deal. Um, the second big win that we did here that I think was a big success was we started marketing the properties when we were halfway done, right? We came up with a concept, which you guys might've done too, where the property's not all the way finished, but we put it on the MLS. Yep, totally. And we, the broker started doing these things called muddy boot tours. Instead of an open house, you know, they called it a muddy boot tour. Oh. And then that, and you're kind of telling your buyers, Hey, listen, don't be wearing open toed shoes. Cause you're walking a job site. That's right. You know, yes. and sign this waiver before you step. Right. On the job site. Yeah. Please <laughs> sign here. And yeah. you're not going to sue anybody. You're not going to write it. So we let people into these houses once they were secure and safe right. and the stairs were in everybody, you know, walking up ladders or anything like that. But once the properties were buttoned up on the exterior, but before we hung rock, um, you know, and before we painted and things like that, we would do a few muddy boot tours. And what was great about doing that was we made the market aware of what was coming online. Yep. We'd be, and we engaged in conversations on all three townhouses. And I'm super excited to tell you that right after we had CO, we closed all three of them. Did you really? So it yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. It was great. It worked. Right. Yeah, it worked. It totally worked. Now, not, next win, we bought right on the edge of the bubble and we bought on an up market. Some would say we got lucky, which we did. Sometimes you got to get lucky. Right. Um, the bubble under, while well, it was took 10 months to build them. Yep. While we were under construction, the bubble moved beyond us. It kept going, nice. right? Nice. That's, we were in the path of progress. So before you know it, they're opening up a coffee shop and a, a vegan cafe down the street and a tattoo <laughs> parlor and there's hipsters walking around and all yeah. that. And you're like, Hey, this you're is like great. Jackpot. Yeah, I know. Right. So our out sale went, our out sale target went from 380 to 425 per house. Dang. That's awesome, man. Right. Yeah. So it, sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle. I mean, it's one of those deals. I wish I, I, I wish there was 30 lots, you know? Yeah, I know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It never ends up that way. Though. Yeah, I know. Right, right, right. So anyway, we, um, we, we ended up putting them up for sale. Uh, contractor had a lot of integrity. Everything was good. Um, got the deal done. Uh, closed 10 months out and that, you know, I mean, there's a lot of lefts and rights in there, but really no big surprises or nuances. Um, a few things on the build that I recommend, know your market in Philly. Um, it's very common. Philly has a beautiful skyline and it also is on water. And so a lot of people want to have a rooftop deck mm -hmm. and it's a dense urban community that have a lot of homeowners. It has a lot of homeowners in it. So if you want to have homeowners that are only going to be willing to pay you that kind of number for a property, you got to have a rooftop deck. So you yep. can see, and from the rooftop deck of these properties, you can see downtown Philadelphia, the Delaware River, and all nice. the bridges. It's nice. insane so you did skyline a flat view. Open top roof. 
Yeah. Well, no, not like you walk off the edge, but it was a, a lip like that, like a lip that came up to about what, what an adult's waistline sure. would be. Yep. So if you had kids, it would be above a kid's head yep. where a kid couldn't climb up on it or whatever. Right, right, so it was right. safe. Yep. Um, and, nice. and, you put, uh, and, and you put electric and water up there so yep. they can do barbecues and that. In essence, in an urban community, Ken, that becomes their backyard. Totally. Absolutely. That's they're going to go and have barbecues and go hang out outside and go get some sun or whatever it is you're going to do. You do yep. it on the roof. Absolutely. Right? Yep. You know? And I mean, if you want to go have a catch with your kid, there's a park two blocks away. Yep. You know? That, that, that's kind of, that, that's urban living. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, bottom line, sold them out and the numbers shook out like this. Our private lender... I forgot to mention this. The deal structure was this. He made an 8% flat rate of return on his money as if he were lending us money. I, yep. don't, I don't make monthly payments to my private lenders. I pay them at the end. Sure. Um, and that. So he got his money at the very end of the deal, 8% plus 12% of profit. Oh, wow. Nice. Yes. That was nice. the JV. Yeah, heck yeah. That was the JV. Because I, I had to collateralize him or give him something because he couldn't have collateral on the deal. I couldn't give him a lien right. to protect himself. I had to give him something more in it for the perceived risk he was taking. Sure. Absolutely. I gave him 12% of profit. That's a fair deal. Um, he put in 290 grand in 10 months. He walked away with a total of $46,000. Nice. Heck of a good return in 10 months. Crazy. Yeah. And now remember, had he, what I said before, a big lesson, had he put his own cash into that deal, cash out of his own pocket, right. he'd, he'd have probably given about half of that away to the federal government. That's right. Yeah. Right. Instead of went right back into his IRA, all tax deferred. He's all tax deferred. He can leverage it up. Then yep. he can take that 46 grand Redo and yep. go and parlay it into the next deal and, and, and practice compounding interest and, and blow out his IRA. Yep. It's really about building wealth. And it's important for real estate investors to realize that uh, part of what we do as educators to show people like this, that listen, this is how you can also build wealth in your retirement accounts yeah. by working with me and I can show you how to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Andressa was our, our construction manager on the deal. Yep. Um, you know, we were the kind of like the coordinators, money partner, deal finder. So yep. we did a 50, 50 split with them, yep. uh, you know, with, with Andressa and her company and Liz and I, with our company on the deal. And, um, and, and we made a phenomenal profit too. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, cause you originally were thinking three fifty mid threes, you ended up selling for four twenty five, and you were all times three for right. what? Just, just over 300, right? Right around 300. Was all yeah. In per, per, yeah, we per walked unit. out. We collectively made around one hundred and fifty thousand total yep. as gotcha. a, uh, you know, a, 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 and then we split that among our partnerships over a period of ten, 10 months, months. So less than a year. Yeah, yeah, one project. in ten months, and had the yeah. deal. I mean, that's that's what's amazing about this deal is that it was shovel ready when you bought it, yep. and the second it was done, they were sold. Yep, so and like I had no money and, and no money out of my own pocket. And no money out of your own pocket. Just leverage relationships. Yeah. Leveraging relationships. Heck of and a deal, man. there's a lot of people that may be watching this saying, I can't do that. Or Matt can do it because he's, you know, the bigger pockets guy or because he knows people, whatever. It's all BS. Not true. You right. guys know people. You could just reach out to the right people. Reach out. To, if you want to do small development like this, you can call a wholesaler if you want, but call an architect. They know yeah. of things like this. And people, the architects are the most unused um, resources in this business. They know of deals. The architects also know, they can also tell you where other, are, where other developers are pulling permits. So they can tell you where the bubble is coming in an environment like that. That's a good point. That's so, a good point. And they know, they know builders, they know investors, they might know people that want to partner with you as well. They're yeah. definitely a good resource. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Matt, this was fantastic, man. What a great deal. Start to finish. Slam dunk. Hey, friends, let's talk for just a minute about the market we're in right now. It's tough, right? Deals are hard to come by. The last thing you need is trouble funding a deal once you've done the hard work to source it. Trust me, I get it. I've been at this for 16 years and financing deals is often a huge pain in the rear. So I decided to solve the problem. I launched Red Capital Lending for real estate investors like me and probably like you. The days of paying 12% interest are over. And if it's taking more than a week for your lender to close, you're using the wrong lender. We've built Red Capital Lending for the sole purpose of providing the lowest cost of investment capital possible. I'm talking about interest rates in the sevens. With the highest level of customer service and with the fastest turnarounds, our goal is to provide funding within five days. If you've got a deal coming up and you're ready to save money and avoid the typical hassles associated with most lenders, take a minute and just submit your deal at redcapitallending.com. We'd love to work with you and show you just how easy it can be to fund your next project. Again, redcapitallending.com. Okay, so let's get back to the show, except in this segment, we're going to talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. All right, I'm with my buddy Matt Faircloth today out of uh, the Philly area, and he's going to tell us about his worst deal ever. Uh, <laughs> Let's hear it. That's okay, because people need to hear about worst deals ever, because you can't just say everything's sunshine and roses in this business. Sometimes, you get, your teeth, that's right. sometimes you get your teeth kicked in. So 100%. we did it. Uh, best deal ever was a, was a new construction in Philly. This was a flip in Philly, okay? okay. Um, and so we, had, uh, we bought a row home, um, absolutely blew it out. Uh, built, just um, you know, tore the back of it off and did a whole new construction on the back of it. Wow. Um, yeah, like did it like a big addition on the back. It was gorgeous, and yeah. and just turned this townhome in, into this absolute, really, really great new modern house um, with high ceilings and beautiful kitchen. This and that. So nice. proud of it. Um, really awesome. And um, got on down the road. Had a few issues right after closing. Um, like the roof leaked. And yep. was like, okay, well, you know what? We'll take care of that. I mean, it was, it was like a week after closing. It's like, you know what? Fine. We should have caught that. We'll take care of it. Yep. So uh, took care of that. And then um, about a year later, uh, we got a call from the buyer because um, he still had my partner's uh, information. And so he called her up and said, hey, um, we're still having issues on the, on the, you know, the back of the property. We're now getting water in around some of the windows and getting some other, you know, and uh, found out that eventually, it, it, through a lot of investigation, um, found out that the contractor we had hired did not do a pro did not install the stucco properly on the rear of the house. Oh gosh, right? stucco is a huge thing in, in oh, Philly, yeah. and, and stucco on stone is no problem. It rarely has any problems, but if you put stucco on wood, it's got to do it. You got to do it the right way. That's right. Where it can actually capture water and push water into your property. Yep. Um, and a lot of you see a lot of stucco get removed because it yep. wasn't done right. Yep. Um, month amongst a lot of investigations, they found out that this geez, and this is we ended up in court. Um, this GC and, and through the court process, it came up that this GC had literally hired a dude off the street to put that, to, to put that stucco on. Oh my gosh. Can you believe it? Just, yes, actually. Unfortunately. Like, yes, like, 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 Hey, you come here. And right, put right, this. Let me show you something. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you at the corner bar, come down here and put this stucco on for me. Wow. Um, yeah. Now the homeowner 
did not do a proper stucco inspection, which is something he should have done from his homeowner's insurance um, and his, his homeowner's um, inspection and right. should have done that. That's something that's commonly done in Philly. He didn't yeah. do it. Um, so part of this was on him um, and, and that. So we tried to pin that back on him. But lawsuits are, are, are tough, man. The lawsuits don't all, I mean, awards yeah. and lawsuits don't always go to who's right. That's right. Um, yeah, they, they go to who they think, you know, should be at fault or, you know, contractually stuff and everything like that. Um, so through a lot of legal pain and a lot of throwing money at attorneys and stuff like that, we end up settling with this guy and, and giving him a very sizable check that was almost equivalent. We made a little bit of money beyond what the check to the settlement was and check to the attorneys were. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it was a sizable check enough that it made the deal pretty much a wash given our time that was involved too. Um, so it was painful in, in that sense. And how many years um, later was it? We ended up settling two years after he took ownership. So two years after you made your money, it's like that money's gone too. That came into your account. It's gone. And so I didn't just put in the rainy day fund. You know, right. I'd moved on. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Now it feels like it's just straight out of pocket at that point. Two years. Yeah. Later. I mean, we peg, they pegged when the guy sued, he, he sued everybody. He sued the contractor, um, you know, sued us, sued our partner. Um, and that, so the contractor, his insurance company stepped in. So they were a big player in this. So they were able to make an insurance settlement, but we also had to come in on, on top of it as well. So, <laughs> Oh, that's painful, man. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Part of this it was, it's tough because I mean, it's his fault, you know? Yeah. Um, but in instances like this, can you get a way out? Like, had we not settled and gone all the way through the whole court process and everything like that, um, we likely would have had to pay a lot more attorney fees. Um, if this guy didn't get the right judgment or if we didn't get the right judgment, we could have appealed. That would have dragged it out another year and a lot of attorney fees and everything. And it's better to focus on growth and to focus on winning yeah. than to focus on being right and throw money, throwing money down a hole. I, and it was a big For jagged that. pill I had to swallow yeah. on because I felt, I, I still to this day believe that we were not at fault. We had yeah. nothing to do with this. We didn't tell him to go hire some dude off the street. Um, and that, but the contractor did work for us uh, and he was our, he was our employee. And so or our, our contract was with him. Right, so right. maybe the judge could have said, yeah, you know what? I see. I know, I know he screwed up, but you were responsible for him because you hired him. Yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe that's how it ended up. It's better to focus on making more money and winning and building and succeeding Agreed. versus, you know, fighting. Yeah. And it's Agreed. tempting to fight, especially when you're correct. When, yeah. when, when you're, when you're in the right, it's, it's tough to stop fighting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. But so. to your point, sometimes, you'll actually spend less just settling than all the attorney fees that could rack up over the next that year. That was the math my lovely wife did. <laughs> right, that my, exactly. my lovely wife did the math because I wanted to fight, man. I'm, sure. I'm in, right? Yeah, I, I wanted right. to put my battle armor on, you know? Like, right, right. Let's put me in front of the judge. Dude, um, and, uh, but my, my wife did the math and she's like, listen, babe, if we settle, we're going to pay this. If we fight and yeah, we're right, we're going to pay this much in legal and also he's going to appeal if we win. Um, cause this buyer had some money behind him and that, so he could have just kept appealing. Yeah. Um, we're going to pay this. And so, and it's also going to cause a bunch of our time that we could be spending out winning and succeeding and finding new stuff and everything like totally. that. So That's a good mindset. Swallow a very jagged pill. Thanks to the lovely, the advice of my bride, which, which yep. keeps me, you know, That's keeps me, keeps me straight. So yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah. 
definitely yeah. better halves. Man, I hate it for you, but you know what? You're in the business long enough. You're going to have some losers that kick you in the teeth, like you said, and getting sued sometimes is a part of it. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and lessons learned. I mean, we, we should have put the property in its own LLC and then closed that LLC once the property sold. That's right. And then, then there's really no, there's nothing to sue anymore, which is not what we did. Yeah. Um, we had an LLC that had some history to it and everything like that. And it was still around when he, when he decided he was going to sue. Um, so he had somebody to go after. And yeah. it's an impor important lesson is that if you're going to do a flip, my recommendation is a couple hundred bucks, start an LLC, do the flip, get it done, close the LLC, move on to the next one. Yep. Keep it simple. And yeah, segregate your liabilities. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Matt, I hate it for you, but we appreciate you sharing and commiserating with us today. Well, we shake it off, man. That's we right. shake it off. It's okay. We live another day, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, thanks, man, for coming on. really appreciate well, it. Well, thanks, Ken. All right. Talk soon. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. If you dig the Best Deal Ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters that will not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. And whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, please leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.